Morning, everyone, and very warm welcome to our service at Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church. And uh, I have a few announcements just to run through here quickly. Um, first of all, the next meeting of church committee uh, will take place on Tuesday, the 25th of January at 7:30 p.m. in the church. Here, uh, communicant membership. If you're interested in becoming a communicant member of Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church. Uh, please let me know or let an elder know and we'll be happy to meet with you and tell you what that involves, whether you're a young person, a middle-aged person or an elderly person, you're very welcome. Um, family service, we're hoping to have a little family service on the 27th of February, we're going to aim at that and like everybody to advertise that as much as possible, try and get our young families back in again, which is difficult not just here but all over Northern Ireland. Churches are finding that difficult. So we're going to have a little, a wee bit of a crazy service on 27th of February uh, for everyone. Everyone will be involved, a service with a difference. Uh, thanks for the, to, to the gener for the generosity of the church uh, towards the student bursary fund. Uh, you've given quite a lot to that, and we really appreciate that. And the students uh, at Union Theological College and potential students will really appreciate that. Uh, and then just any other announcements, there are a few announcements which I announced last week which are still appropriate, but if you check your order of service, you'll see what those are rather than take up too much time in the service. Okay, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so were my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, Father, from different backgrounds, and we come, Lord, from situations where maybe some folk are going through difficult times and they find it hard to understand, God, what are you doing? Where are you at this moment? They may feel in, in, this morning that they're like Job, who they look in the north and they cannot find you in the east and the west and the south. They cannot find you. But Lord, we thank you that as Job says, you know the road I take. And when I come through this, I will come through it with gold. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives and your love and care for us. We thank you for your care for every detail of our lives. Lord, there's no situation that we walk into where you are not with us. And Lord, we pray that you would cleanse our hearts this morning, that you would forgive our sins this morning. Father, that you might bring us into your presence close to you, that you would touch us with your spirit. And uh, may we know your love and grace amongst us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start our service with singing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus and Look Full in His Wonderful Face.
The Old Testament uh, reading this morning is Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20, verses 1 to 17. Verses 1 to 17. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And this is the word of God. Now I wonder, do we have any boys and girls with us this morning? That's how we look. Yes, yes, we got one, we got one. (laughs) Oh, two, great. Okay, well... Many years ago, somebody, and it was another minister, asked me, Mark, what are your hobbies? What do you like doing outside of school or outside of work? What is it that you really like doing? What, what do you like doing? <laughs> what do you like doing? You're not sure? You like coming to church. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Well, I had to think about this, and then I'm going to give you a clue. My hobby is not drinking tea, by the way. (laughs) What do you think that is? (laughs) That must be a Liverpool supporter over there, is it? (laughs) Manchester United. I've supported Manchester United for many, many years. uh, So, yes, and... but lately, like the last, last week, they've done all right, but the last number of years, they haven't done very well. So I thought to myself, I better actually get myself a diff- another hobby. So I decided to take up archery. So it's a bit different. So I went down to Pound Stretcher. No expense spurred. I went down to Pound Stretcher, and I got, got myself a bow and arrows. See... And the thing about it is that with the bow and arrow, you know, hold on, I'll see if I get an elder. You know, one down, 16 to go. You know. <laughs> but uh, you need a target for archery, don't you? So something, 
like that. And the thing about it is, if you miss the target, okay, if you hit it, you hit the bullseye, that's great, that's perfect. But often, right, Billy, I'll see how far this can go. <laughs> oh, often we miss the target. And did you know that sin is an old archery term? And it means to miss the target. It means to miss the target. So we read the, the commandments there. And the first four commandments are to do with our relationship with God. And the last six are to do with our relationship with one another. And whenever we sin, basically we're aiming at the commandments. We're aiming at the word of God that guides us how to live our lives. But so often we miss the mark. So we try, if, if we lie... We're missing the mark. Or if we, for example, steal, <laughs> we miss the mark. So, so you don't expect to get speared when you come to church. You know? <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't mean to go. Okay. So, and that's the word of God is, we're told in the Psalms, it's, it's a light to us. It guides us. And when we read it, God directs us how to live our lives. And when we miss the mark, we're missing God's mark. We're, we're disobeying God. We're missing the mark. That's called sin, an old archery term. And the thing about it is that sin separates us from God. So it's like a massive big wall that we just can't, for the life of us, get through at all. And we need that relationship with God. We need it so much. We were created to have that relationship and we just can't get through. And what God does is he sends Jesus. We've just celebrated a Christmas, Jesus coming to earth. And Jesus came to earth. And what God the Father does is he targets him. Instead of targeting us, he targets him and like last week it was saying, it's like, it's like walking along the street and you see a big lorry coming and your friend's with you and your friend pushes you out of the way of the lorry and takes the lorry by himself. And that's what God targets his own son, punishes his own son instead of punishing me, instead of punishing you. So that whenever I ask for forgiveness, I'm cleansed. And every sin that I've ever done or ever will do is washed clean. And I've got a relationship with God. So I hope you remember that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. That is the gospel. That God sent his own son to die for us in our place, taking the punishment for our own sin, that we can go free. And as far as the east is from the west, the disciple, the person who trusts in Christ and asks for forgiveness, those trespasses, they're so far away, you'll never see them again. Let's pray a wee minute. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. And you love boys and girls, mums and dads, and we're all children at heart. And Lord, we pray that we might receive that message, Lord, that 
that even though we sin and we fall and we fail again and again and again, yet Jesus has paid for it all, that he has paid for it all. And when we come, we can find his forgiveness and his reconciliation and cleansing. A fresh start. That's what you bring, Lord. Thank you for that. Your grace. Amen. So, okay. So we're going to, let me just get up here a minute. Um, we're going to sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. Okay, and I noticed some of you clapped last week, and that was good. So if you want to clap again, feel free. If you don't, that's okay too. Okay. Okay, let's pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Father, as we meet together this morning as Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church, we ask that you move among us in the days and the weeks and the years to come. Prepare us for revival, for revival within our own hearts, for revival within this church, for revival within Bangor. May each elder and each member of this congregation develop a heart which is hungry after you. Make us hungry, Holy Spirit, for the things of God. Move within our hearts, we pray. We ask that you bring a deep conviction of sin, a new and clear awareness of how we have offended you, how we have missed the mark. Show us our wrong motives, our wrong priorities. 
and give us a spiritual brokenness and recognition that our resources are not enough, that it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. Develop within us a continual attitude of repentance in our hearts and kindle a new fire within our souls. Increase our faith to a new level of expectancy. Increase the hunger in our souls to seek your face in prayer and put within us a hunger for seeing answers and breakthroughs come as a result of prayer. You have all dominion above all principalities and powers. Help us under the leading of your Spirit to tap into such resources. Give us, Father, a burden for the lost, a burden for souls, and a passion to see people saved. Share your heart with us. Show us how you see those family members, those friends or neighbours, or members of our congregations who are still outside the kingdom of God. Engrave their names on our hearts and help us wrestle in prayer until we see breakthrough after breakthrough. Move within our hearts, we pray. Pour out your spirit upon us and upon this land of ours that a land of spiritual wilderness may once again be hungry for your presence. Do a new thing in Bangor. Give us back the years that the locust has eaten. Draw us closer to you that you may draw closer to us. Make our churches significant in such a secular society, a society which has many problems, but which offers very few answers. Make us light make us salt, make us Christ-centered. Give us strength for each day and wisdom for each task. Guide us in all we do and say in years to come, may this church see the fruit of faithful sowing in Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. There's a little video which uh, it's called Making Disciples, which I want to show this morning. It was actually my daughter who's here this morning who pointed it out to me a couple of years ago, and it really challenged me. It's a very short video. Let me just show it to you.
Before we come to the Word of God, we're going to stand, we're going to settle our hearts and, and sing, Be Still, for the presence of the Lord is in this place. praying about what I should start, what series I should start with you, and I felt very much that God wanted me to do the book of Philippians, and the letter of Philippians. Um, so I'm going to start doing a wee series, and uh, under the title, Seeing Life from God's Perspective, Seeing Life from God's Perspective. Let me read just Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 uh, to 8 with you now. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection 
of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that you came. And Holy Spirit, won't you teach us more about his lovely name? Amen. I wonder, do you ever feel like a hamster on a wheel? Uh, whenever our children were very young, we had, we had quite a few hamsters. Uh, we weren't particularly successful with them. It was just usually after a month that we had to get the hamster undertaker out regularly <laughs> and deal with yet another death. Um, I remember on one occasion we had a little white hamster and uh, it was getting a bit sick late into the night and the kids had gone to bed and we were determined we didn't want to lose this one. And I remember my wife, I can remember her vividly taking the little hamster sitting on the stairs, putting it on its back and doing CPR on it. (laughs) It was a very surreal experience. But uh, we weren't good with hamsters. But there was one day, though, that when I was working North Belfast, I saw this rather large pet shop in Glengormley. So I decided to go in and, and I explained to a couple of sales assistants about hamsters had kept dying on us and we didn't know why and so they they assured us that there was a particular hamster for us that would be good for us and uh, it was a pedigree hamster that they had in the shop and I, and I thought they were winding me up at the beginning but they took me over and showed me this hamster a bit bigger than normal a wee bit stronger than normal and uh, they convinced me to come back after work and they convinced me that this woman that they could they could trace it right back to its descendants in Scotland. This woman had bred them. So I was quite excited, and I decided, right, I'll come back, but I don't have a cage. She says, don't worry, we'll put it in a wee box for you, a wee breathing hole, a wee box, no problem. So I came back quite excited after work, and um, they put it in this little box for me, and they give me the papers showing me the parents and the grandparents and so forth right back. Uh, of this hamster so I headed to the till to pay for it <laughs> and, uh, and I noticed uh, as I stood at the till its wee teeth were coming up through the breathing hole at the top and I got a bit concerned about that so I said to the girl at the till and she said oh don't worry about it you have plenty of time take a long time before that comes through so I put it on the passenger seat and I, I sat down started to drive and every now and again as I was heading over the the motorway, I would look down just to check it was still in the box. And then one occasion I looked down and it wasn't in the box. <laughs> there was just a big gaping hole in the top of the box. And uh, I started to panic a bit. I started to try carefully scan around to see where it was. And I had a, a set of tapes. It was back in the days of cassette tapes. And the tapes were sitting right beside the handbrake. So I happened to look down, and there was the little hamster with its beady eyes looking up at me, sitting on these cassette tapes. And I just thought, I better get home very quickly. So I I actually just put the the accelerator down. I started moving faster and faster. And I looked down again, it was gone. I couldn't find it anywhere. And it was an old car at the time. It maybe had a wee bit of holes, rusty holes and so forth. and I got this mental picture in my head of this hamster standing there on the motorway, you know, just terrified, and other cars going past. But I soon found out that it hadn't actually done a base jump. It was actually there 
in the car with me because I soon found out it had started to climb up my left leg. <laughs> and I was just, the adrenaline was pumping through me. And I managed to get home the other side of Belfast up the Ballygod Road. It was pitch black. I managed to look in around it and I found the hamster and we brought it into the safety of the house. And we called it Lucky. <laughs> but Lucky, in that journey home, had no idea of the danger he was in. You know, I, I could see the dangers, but Lucky had no idea of the dangers. No idea of what direction he should go in. No idea of the pitfalls he could easily fall into. And God sees our lives very clearly clearer than we see them. He sees, he sees when we go left, and he sees when we go right, and he sees the pitfalls, he sees the corners, he sees the hills we face, the bends we're still to reach, he sees the dead ends, he sees the disappointments, he sees the collisions, he sees the bumps on the road. And through it all, he desires to be our roadmap if he could just get our attention. I asked you earlier, do you ever feel like a hamster on a wheel? Do you ever feel that life is so exhausting that it's taken so much energy just to keep the wheel going? And at the end of the day, you don't feel you've got anywhere. Sometimes it's necessary to step off the hamster wheel and take a more objective look at the bigger picture. Be still and know, writes the psalmist, be still and know that I am God. Seeing life through God's perspective. My thoughts are not your thoughts, he says, nor are your ways my ways. Paul writes this letter in a Roman prison. It's not the way he wanted his ministry to start. The busyness in his life has come to a halt and now he's trapped and he's surrounded by four walls. Up to now he's traveled, do you know, so many thousands of miles preaching the gospel all over the place. But now he can't. He's in this prison cell chained to a Roman guard. It's time to be still and time to know who God is. You know, we could easily have begun to gripe and complain, God, I've given my life to you, I've given my days to you, I've given my service to you. All of my energy has been in preaching the gospel and traveling, sharing the gospel, and now you've brought me to a prison. But he doesn't. Instead, he looks around himself, chained to this Roman guard. He begins to see the bigger picture, he begins to see his life from God's perspective. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next number of weeks, how Paul sees God in such a terrible situation. Now, this letter perhaps is a letter he had, some, he had perhaps intended to write, but was always too busy. But now in this prison cell, he has time to reflect on the church at Philippi and to think about and remember his love for them and how good they were to him. And it's time to reflect on life from God's perspective where there are no obstacles, just opportunities.
It was interesting to learn a little about Ballycrocken's history, uh, starting small uh, in a wooden hut and using a biscuit tin uh, for a collection plate. The church at Philippi had started very small also. It was something that God desired. It was something God really wanted to do. And he, um, he chose Paul to do the job. You know, you can read this for yourself. Acts 15, Acts 16. Paul traveled to the north, tried to travel north, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. He tried to travel west, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. And he wondered, where on earth does God want me to go? So he sits down in Troas, a place called Troas, and asks God, where, God, do you really want me to go? And it's there where he got um, a vision um, of a man in Mesopotamia saying, come over and help us. So the next morning, he packs his bags and heads off to Mesopotamia, and he goes to the city, the actual capital city, which is Philippi. And that's what brings us to Philippi. Now, when Paul arrives in Philippi, because it's Roman, there's no synagogue. Normally, he would go to the town, he'd go to the synagogue, he'd teach in the synagogue. But there was no synagogue because it was Roman. So he, he, what he had to do was he heard that there was a prayer meeting, a woman's prayer meeting every morning, every day, down by the river. So he headed down by the river. And there he meets uh, a woman called Lydia, who, who sells purple cloth. And he begins to share Christ with her. Now, she'd never heard of Christ. She knew God, in a sense. You know, she prayed to God, but in a very ambiguous way. But now she'd heard Christ. And she was amazed. She was baptized, and she begged him. It was probably him, Luke, Timothy, and Paul, four male men, all eating a lot. And then she invites him to stay in the house with her. And... Uh, and that's how the work of God started in Philippi. But Paul's ministry, as, as you know, it, it's always, it, it isn't always plain sailing. The next day they're heading down to the river to pray when there's a fortune teller who genuinely can tell fortunes because she has the occult working in her. She has a, she's possessed by a demon and she, the cult, the power of the occult enables her to tell fortunes. And there are many men, you could say they're pimps, they get the money from her, she charges, and they take the money, a good bit of it. So Paul is heading down to the river to pray, and this woman is running after him, shouting after him, won't leave him alone, and keeps saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, they're the servants. Of... You wouldn't mind that in a Jewish town or a Christian town, but this is a Roman town, where they could very easily get executed for being Christian. And so Paul turns around to her to be quiet. It's only, he's only arrived in the town. He, says, he turns around and he casts the demon out of her. She's no longer able to uh, tell fortunes. And the powers of the occult have been broken. The money's no longer coming in. And so those who are in charge or pimps looking after her, getting the money from her, they're up in arms. And they grab Paul and they grab Silas, who is this right-hand man, and they take him and they, they push, him in, push, push them into the marketplace. They get judges to come out and the judges are disgusted as well. And people start to strip Paul and Silas and they beat them and they, they cut them 
and they're leaving them lying in the marketplace, bruised and broken and sore. And then they lift them up and they drag them into a prison cell in Philippi. It's not what Paul thought ministry would be like in his first week in Philippi. It's not what he hoped for, that's for sure. But remember, Paul, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And what seems like chaotic sometimes in our own lives can be what God uses in our lives for his glory. But we're told when they're in that prison cell in Philippi, sore, red, cut, we're told at Acts 16.25, at midnight, at midnight, in this jail in Philippi, Paul and Silas begin to sing and pray. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth shall grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace I'm sure many here have had a midnight experience a time when the lights in life go out, feeling perhaps alone and frightened. What a beautiful lesson from Paul and Silas this morning when we begin to worship, when we begin to focus on how amazingly powerful God is, but yet how fatherly he is. As we turn our focus on him, suddenly our burdens are set in perspective. The things that weigh us down can be taken off, put in perspective. And there's a peace that comes from seeing life from God's perspective. And as Paul and Silas sing, there's an earthquake. Now, when I sing, I usually plates break, mirrors crack, and the dog goes into the corner. But <laughs> that's just bad singing. But this, with Paul and Silas, God breaks their feet out of the stocks and he releases everyone from their chains and every door is set free. The Roman guard, he's ready with his sword to kill himself because it's in his watch that these prisoners have escaped and normally if you lose someone on your watch, you get killed straight away, you'll get executed. So he's waiting there and just ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't, nobody's, nobody's gone. We're all here. Calm down. And the guard says, what must I do to be saved? The guard lives near and he takes them home. And his whole family hear the gospel and they're all baptized. They all come to faith and then a most wonderful and beautiful thing happens. The guard gets up, 
puts the stove on, gives them a bit of food, feeds them, gets the basin, a bit of disinfectant in it, starts to, to wash the wounds of the very enemies. They were enemies two hours ago, and now he's washing their wounds. You know, when God is in a situation, be ready to be surprised. Because sometimes God uses stumbling blocks, what feels like chaos, as his stepping stones. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. I remember reading about a man visiting New York City for the first time. He gets into a taxi, goes to the famous Empire State Building. His journey in the taxi, it's terrifying. He's terrified. There are horns blaring, traffic lights, changing cars, weaving, buses blocking lanes, and people are walking out in front of you. It all seems so chaotic. And as the taxi driver rushes from lane to lane, turning the corner, stopping at traffic lights, starting at traffic lights, the man at the back of the taxi, he starts to feel quite sick. And eventually the taxi drives up and comes to a halt at the Empire State Building. He gets out, pays the guy, and he goes up in a lift up to the top of the Empire State Building to look at the view. And from the top, he looks down at the streets below from which he has just come. He watches the taxis move in and out of lanes with such precision. The traffic lights are coordinated, working efficiently to provide a smooth flow in the traffic. The buses delivering people to the exact places where they want to go. The cars all stopping at the pedestrian crossings to give right of way to each individual who wants to cross. It's a different perspective looking on the streets below. It's a different perspective. It all looks a lot calmer and more controlled. Whereas when he was in the taxi, he was feeling sick. It was chaotic for as far as he was concerned. It felt chaotic. But looking down, there seems to be a calmness and a controlledness about it. Sometimes life can kick us in the teeth. Sometimes life can be chaotic. And we wonder, as Job did, God, what are you doing? Sometimes it feels incomprehensible. But God's perspective may be, may be, This is my plan because sometimes I use stumbling blocks or stepping stones. You take the cross, for example, from a human perspective. Here's a young man. He's cut down in his prime. Many had hopes of him to be the Messiah. But here he is, beaten up, humiliated, tortured on a cross, And the Romans are hammering the nails in. 
And nobody that day at the cross understands, apart from the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, no one understands what's going on. Seems chaotic. But sometimes God uses stumbling blocks as his stepping stones. And now as Paul sits in prison in Rome, he reflects on how this church started in Philippi. Started with Lydia, seller of purple cool cloth, and a Roman guard and his family. Amazing. And the church begins to grow and flourish. It's truly a work of God. And he signs his letter at the start. We normally sign it at the end, but he signs his letter at the start. He's seen Timothy come to faith. He treats him like a son, and he writes, Paul and Timothy, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes to the church, he's saying, he says, I thank God for every remembrance of you. He's a time to sit, to get off the wheel, to sit and reflect on his time with the people in Philippi, how lovely it was, how they've been a support to him. And he says, you're always in my prayers. He writes, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. There's a special place in Paul's heart for the church at Philippi. Hopefully this morning, you've seen a little bit of the background to this letter. But let me just finish with one word of encouragement and reassurance from Paul in this passage. He says, I thank God for the fellowship I've had with you from the first day when I met Lydia until now. He assures them of his prayers. He says, being confident, he says, of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he started in you, says Paul, he's going to finish. And you might fall and fail and fail again and get distracted and lose faith and lose heart along the way. But he who started something in you will bring it to a conclusion. His love will pick you up. His love will dust you down. His love will set you on the track again. Paul encourages the church at Philippi by boasting about God's faithfulness. Then God is faithful. No matter what you come through, no matter how many prisons you face, beatings you face, illnesses you face, God will bring you through. God is faithful. He's your rock. He's your rock. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, your love for us is immense. Father, if we had the same amount of love in our hearts as you had for, have for us, our hearts would burst. Our hearts would explode. We couldn't hold it all. We thank you, Lord, for that love for us. And Lord, if there are those, and we know that there are those who are going through difficult periods in their lives, Father, 
periods of chaos, periods of difficulty, periods of illness and grief, periods of hurt, periods of isolation. But Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, that you're their rock, that you're their fortress, their high tower, their strength, their shield, their grace. And you will bring them through. We pray that you might put that truth from your word into their minds and into their hearts and into their feet. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to finish with uh, There is a Redeemer, a beautiful hymn by Keith Green. of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.